are in a new series called The Organic Life. That pause was for the person who edits these things. So if I cuss or I say something I shouldn't, they can take it out. They have a little buffer room if they want to do that. But uh, just to give you an idea, so organic, I'm, I'm in Generation X. So I love being in Generation X because in the news, you're either a boomer or you're a millennial. And I guess you guys hate each other, and so which is fine for Generation X. We just kind of step back. We were the first latchkey kid generation, and so we're just used to just fading back and letting you guys lob hand grenades. But uh, when I was growing up, organic was just kind of the new thing, right? And so uh, my mom was really into health foods, and so I learned that organic means no taste. Um, <laughs> Organic means small, so like my mom would go and get organic peaches, and they'd be all like, they have worms in them, and like, because they were organic. There are no pesticides or anything that saves you from, you know, microorganisms or anything like that. And so organic to me, back when I was a kid, just meant boring, just meant you couldn't, it didn't have any taste, it was just good for you, but not good. And so then as I aged, and... Um, kind of went, went through it. Organic started, you know, they, I think they started doing organic better. I, I don't even know. So I decided to call this the organic life. And basically what this is, is a study on the fruit of the spirit. And what we're talking about is basically living life the way God has designed you to live. And what we're going to see this morning is just an intro. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And for those of you who are here saying it with me, you, like me, went to Sunday school or whatever, uh, or, you know, whatever the thing was, navigators, and you learn this verse, right? Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the things that uh, were placed into our DNA as those created in the image of God. As a matter of fact, if you study the life of Jesus, and maybe you're new to the Bible or new to Christianity, which is completely acceptable, uh, at Jesus, and you say, man, that is the type of uh, person that I would like to become. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did while he was here on earth. He showed what a life being fully abiding in our Heavenly Father looks like. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. We'll be going over these different fruit of the Spirit. But this morning, what we're going to look at is the tension that we all have to manage living in a culture that has its own ideas, its own agendas, its own power structures, its own way of marginalizing people, its own way of casting people aside. There's that, our culture, and I will be pretty brutal on America this morning. And again, I love America. It's the best country in the world as far as I'm concerned. But there are things in our culture, lies that are prevalent, that go right against this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see this morning is that your flesh or your kind of natural tendency as a human being is opposed to the things that God would have for you. Because what are the things that God has for you? They're things like humility. They're things like service. They're things about like giving. Well, your flesh doesn't like that. Your flesh or my flesh likes me. I really love me. 
As a matter of fact, this is why Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, because he knows you love yourself, right? Now, again, I know there's self-loathing and all those different things, but this is the tension we're going to be managing throughout the coming weeks. My flesh on the one hand, and the vision that God has for my life on the other. And so we'll want to get some terms down this morning. We'll want to get some ideas down this morning of uh, what does it look like? And one of the things that I want us to understand, and we're going to see this throughout the coming weeks, that anytime you're trying to get anything to grow, so in the, in the front of our house, we have all these planter boxes. And um, I put in all the irrigation, and I built the planter boxes, and I put in all the dirt to go in there, but I do not have anything to do with what is grown in those boxes. That is a much higher pay scale that I'm not allowed to be involved with. That is Lisa. She plants the things, she waters it and those things. And for any of you who have fruit trees, who, any of you who are growing anything, I know, there's, I know many of your stories and I see a lot of green thumbs out there. I am not that. I will build you a plant. No, I have built planter boxes. I won't build you anything. I built them for my lovely wife. And so, uh, but you'll see that in order for something to be healthy, it needs two things, and that is food, which comes in the place of water and all that, and pruning. It's like, oh man, I like food. I like the consumption part, but the pruning part of my life, not so much. So we're going to talk this morning about hopefully preparing you in the coming weeks to be pruned and to be fed. But those are the two things. When those things happen, when you're pruned and when you're fed, fruit happens. This is the fruit of the Spirit. An orange tree does not wake up one morning and go, man, I don't have any oranges. And then it just like struggles and then, you know, they all pop up. It would be cool if that happened, but it's not what happens. Orange trees produce oranges, and they do so when the soil is right, when the food is right, and when you've pruned them. Okay, so let's get started, and let's take a look at what Paul is saying. We're in Galatians chapter 5, and as Marquise had mentioned, we'll be going through a chapter of Galatians every day. I just want to warn you, on the app, in your reading plan, when you click plan, Galatians doesn't show up just yet. It'll show up tomorrow, okay? We're still working just one tiny little bug out, but it'll be done. And so we'll have Galatians starting Monday. We'll go from Galatians 1 through 6. And then we'll, uh, after that, we're going to go into the book of Acts for our reading plan. But if you don't have the app or you just want to start with us, Galatians 1 is tomorrow. So Galatians 5, chapter 16. Now watch what Paul says. So I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I want to get this right out in the beginning, right out in the open. The church is a mess. Churches are messy. If you are here at church and you think, I want to go to a church that has everything all together, then find a church that has no people in it, okay? Find a church that, you know, whatever, maybe listen to recordings of previous sermons or whatever. Whatever you do, stay away from people. 
People are messy, they're annoying, they're hypocrites. All of them. I don't care whether you are an atheist or you're a follower of Jesus. We are broken and we are messed up. Okay? So we just want to get that out of the way. Do you, under, do you feel bad about yourself? Okay. Here, that's not the point. The point is that we understand that this is going to be a tension that we are going to have to manage for the rest of our lives until we spend eternity with Jesus. You've either walked by the Spirit or you're going to end up just going after your flesh. And what I've seen in our culture, especially in America, and only talk about America, is we are not doing a very good job making ourselves healthy. Depression is at an all-time high. Addiction is at an all-time high. It was getting there before the pandemic. And then you add the pandemic, and you add George Floyd, and you add social media, and you add all these things. And again, I know I sound like an old man yelling at the clouds right now, but I'm just going by stats from the CDC. I'm not like coming from some news organization. This is just facts. We are jacked up as a culture. And what Paul's trying to explain to us is with that in mind, with not only a culture that if we just lift up our legs and allow culture to carry us wherever culture carries us, we will end up in a place we do not want to be. Whether that's in our relationships, our finances, our mental health, all those things. If we just go, okay, whatever you want, culture, we're going to end up in a place we don't want to be. And so this is what Paul is talking about. This is why we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, because it's a test to yourself to go, how am I doing with love? Am I joyful? Do I have peace, patience? Okay, first of all, Let's just remove patience from the fruit of the Spirit. It's an annoying one. That was from old back in, way back in the day. This is 2022. We don't talk about, no, okay? That's my thing. And we're going to have a little exercise in a minute. Where we're going to spend a half, half a minute in silence, and you're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit, and you're going to pick one and go, okay, that's the one over the next, in this series, I'd like to be better at. Okay, well, it's going to come to pruning and feeding. I'm just going to give you a little heads up. But this is the case. This is where we're at. Like, how, how are we doing? Culture is not going to help us with that fruit. And almost every human being, every human being created in the image of God was created with the vision in mind that you would not only bear the fruit of the Spirit, but we'll see in a little bit, Jesus himself says that you will bear much fruit. Not just have one love apple, one Peace, peach. I just made that up just now, all right? So I say, so here's, here's where Paul's coming from. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary, what is opposite to the spirit. My flesh, just by its broken nature, wants what it shouldn't have. And this is the issue we're going to have as we step out into our culture, because God says, don't just try to avoid everything. You're in the world, but you're not of it. And so he says, for the flesh uh, desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit is active. It doesn't like the flesh. It's contrary to the flesh. And so throughout these next weeks, there's going to be this inner battle that I would say, embrace 
as we see, is this my flesh? Is this me? This self-promotion, this idea of consumption and getting my way and having it be all about myself. And then there's a spirit that is, in, that is contrary to that. Watch this. It even goes farther. They're fighting. They're in conflict with one another. So that, uh-oh, this stands right in the case of culture right now, right in the face of it. You are not to do whatever you want. I want you to turn to the person next to you and go, you can't do what you want. Go ahead, do it. If you're at home watching online, you can't do what you want. Now turn to them and say, I can do what I, no, I'm just kidding, you can't do that. Right, but this is the thing. I mean, our culture celebrates self-individualism. You just be you, you do you. I mean, that's just what our culture says. It, it, we're, and and not, only, not only does it celebrate you do you, but you have to not only let me do what I do, but celebrate what I do. If I, if I decide I'm going to do something, you can't just go, well, whatever you want to do, go ahead. No, 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 no. In our culture, you have to celebrate it. You have to say, yes, that is the best thing in the world. They are in conflict with each other. So that, I'm going to say it one more time, you are not to do whatever you want. Doesn't that, that kind of hurt a little bit? Paul, always hurting my feelings. Now watch. But if you're led by the Spirit, basically what this says, you're not under the law, it just makes, basically means it doesn't come down to just sin management and just I, I can't, I just have to, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's not what a life in the spirit is. It is freedom. It is freedom. Do you know how exhausting it is to do whatever you want and to be yourself and to self-promote? It's exhausting. You see it in the statistics. There was just an article in the New York Times talking about how messed up this next generation coming up is. Because it's been sold a lie that you can just be who you want to be, whatever, and everyone's going to celebrate it. And that's not the way life works. It's a lie. And so this is where Paul is coming from. And so here's what he does. He sets out what Paul does in a lot of ways. He sets out a list. And he says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And this is true. We can see all that. And we're going to go through some of these things that are just so prevalent in our culture. And again, I'll say this for the last time. I, I don't have anything against America. I love America. It's our culture of consumption and our culture of individualism and our culture of uh, me first, this pursuit of happiness that is crushing us. It's not working. And so he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. And here we go. We'll go get through them. And a lot of them sound really churchy. So if you're like a really church, per, high church person, you're going to love this. Sexual immorality. Okay, that's, that's probably the number one thing that you hear the church is against. You can't have any fun or anything like that. But sexual immorality, the Greek word for that is just porneia, which is where we get our word pornography. But it's basically anything outside the design that God had from the beginning of time. One man, one woman for life. That's God's design. You can send me nasty letters and say, that's not what I learned. You can do whatever you want. That's the biblical truth. 
I teach the Bible. It's the only thing I got for you. Anything outside of that, fornication, adultery, incest, but anyway, figure it out. You, you, you got it. It's basically just pornea. Anything outside God's design. That's obvious, Paul says. Impurity and debauchery. Uh, debauchery is a different, it's really an odd Greek word. Uh, we, we translated it debauchery, but it has all this historical odd actions of getting together and carousing, I guess. And it had to, it's, I don't have time to get into it, but it had to do with torches, so I won't get into it, but it is really weird. And then we throw these out because we're like, well, that's not me, idolatry and witchcraft, right? So we say, oh man, witchcraft, well good. You know, finally something in the list that I don't struggle with. Well, basically witchcraft is the word where we get our word pharmacy. Okay, so back when this was written, if you're making up little potions, right, that people are taking and then they have mind-altering events, they would call that witchcraft back then. We call it Pfizer, or Johnson & Johnson, or whatever. I mean, that's what they do. They make up little concoctions. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. This isn't a vaccine thing. Don't send me any emails. I mean, you can. They'll get bounced. But uh, just, just it's, that's what it is, pharmacy. Basically, here's what it says. Idolatry and medicating. Oh, did it just get quiet now? It was fun when we were talking about Pfizer. It's different when we're talking about taking an Ambien before I go to sleep, right? right? I'm not saying if you take an Ambien last night, you're a witch, okay? That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is Paul, even back then, knew that self-medicating is a desire of the flesh. I just want to escape, and that is not. The Spirit of God is opposed to that. As a matter of fact, the Spirit of God is so opposed to it. And again, I'm not making a general thing of, I took it Advil because my back... I'm not talking about that. You know, what I, you know me well enough. I'm talking about medicating to escape, medicating to deal with a situation. The Spirit of God says the opposite. No, no, no. You're wide, eyes wide open, present when you're handling conflict, when you're handling uh, um, difficult situations. Not medicated. You don't need to be medicated to handle it. Uh, the Spirit of God is opposed to that. Okay. Idolatry, you think, oh good, well I don't have a little Buddha on my, on my desk, so it's not idolatry. Sometimes our career can be idolatry. For pastors, the church can be an idol. How many people are there? How many people weren't there? What's this? What does this look like? What does that look like? What does the campus look like? Right? Does it sound familiar? It can be my idol. The church can be my idol. So idolatry and witchcraft, we think we're just going to get them aside, but it's really, really um, prevalent. And then we get into the list of stuff we can all, all agree on. Hatred, discord. I call this the social media section um, uh, of Galatians. Uh, basically, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Okay, right? So uh, you got Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, oh no, Facebook, uh, factions, and envy, okay? That's basically the social media section of the sermon. But that's our culture. I mean, this is, there are full-on industries, billion-dollar industries, based on medicating yourself and being outraged. That is the American culture. 
being outraged, being medicated, those are all things that you are going to see on a daily basis. And then he goes into drunkenness and orgies. Again, orgies is just, it's not what you think it is. It, it includes that, but it's just basically kind of going off the rails. Drunkenness. Uh, I just saw a thing this morning. Uh, we have 14 million people in the United States that have a drug issue um, and we have 10 million that have alcohol uh, issues. We have between 2000 and now we've lost 700,000 people to alcohol. Okay, again, I'm not saying any, I'm not making a statement. I'm saying that you have industries and culture and your flesh all working against the Spirit of God. That's in conflict with it. That's in opposition to it. Well, what do you do? Paul warns us. He says, I warn you as I did before. So this is a church in Galatia. They had already got, they'd already spoken with Paul earlier. Paul helped plant this church. That those who will live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, oh my goodness, if I take an Ambien or I have a beer, am I going to hell? Is that what you're saying, John? No, it's not what I'm saying, uh, okay? What this means is not the, the transactional part of accepting Christ and avoiding hell. That is real, okay? We accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. He becomes Lord of our lives, and we spend eternity with him. That's the goal, okay? It's that the kingdom of God starts today. The kingdom of God starts now. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be experiencing the kingdom of God in your life now so that when you die, you're with a Jesus that you've spent your whole life with that you're excited to see. It's not a transaction of, I accept Jesus, I avoid hell. Whew! Paul says that's, that's, that's foreign to the Bible. The kingdom of God begins now. And if you practice those things, if you are just about consumption, if you're just about feeling good and just be like, I just want to escape, I just want to escape, I just want to escape, you're going to miss out on the kingdom of God. And it's not always easy. And it is hard to be present during difficulty. One of the things we don't talk about too much, I mention it in passing every now and then, but... Uh, for my son, watching him graduate was a lot a bit different than watching my girls graduate. Um, they, they had no health issues. So it was like, that was just kind of the normal thing. You go to high school, you go to college, you graduate college. With my son, after hundreds and hundreds of seizures, he graduates from college. It was a huge deal for us, a big deal after brain surgery and all those things. I can't medicate my way out of that situation with my son. I have to lean into the Holy Spirit. So he says, I warn you, you're going to miss the kingdom of God. You're going to miss it in your life. If you're medicating, you're going to miss this kingdom of God. If you're trying to do it through sexual relationships, you're going to miss the kingdom of God. If you try to do it by being angry and having to be right about everything and following up on all the information that's coming in and you're going to learn everything about a certain subject and all it's going to do is enrage you and get you upset and make you post things that people don't want to talk to you about ever. Okay, I'm just being honest. 
you get to know a certain amount of a subject and you're outraged all the time, people will just avoid you. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not it. You're going to miss it. So he says, but, and that's where we are in this series, the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, diving into what God would have for you, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your finances, regardless of your education, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your culture, how you grew up, regardless of all those things. The fruit of the Spirit is everything we want in life and especially want for the next generation. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's what I, I told you we're going to do this. For just 30 seconds, we're going to be real quiet. I just want you to look at this list. And I just want you to, maybe just through silence or what have you, just begin to ask God, wow, we're going to be spending a lot of time on these. God, what, what would be an area that you would just kind of see that I need to work on? Maybe it's love. Maybe for you, you just spend a lot of your day outraged and like love. You love your family, but that's about it. <laughs> Maybe it's love. Maybe it's joy. You have no joy. Oh, your joy is, is dependent on circumstances. Who's in office? Uh, how much money you make? How inflation is going? Gas prices. Oh, it's all on that. Do you have joy that transcends? Peace. Whew. We have industries that are designed, billions of dollars to design so that you don't have peace. Patience and kindness. So we're going to take just a little bit of time, look at that list, and uh, listen to the Holy Spirit. Good. Just to, I'm just curious. Just to show of hands, did God give you one of them or two of them? Anything? Yeah. Good. Guess what? This is really cool. You just heard from the Holy Spirit this morning. When people say, I was church, go, I heard from God this morning. Okay? Tell them. And John, too, but you don't need to mention me. All right. Watch what he says after this. Against such things... There's no law. There's no argument. I have so much love in my heart. Oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, I just have so much peace in the midst of inflation and wars in the world. And oh, I have so much peace. Oh, disgusting. You're supposed to have anxiety and outrage. That's what you should have. Right? There's no law against that. This is what... The law was designed for a life of freedom. Our, this, this opposition to the flesh is not to constrict our lives so that we can't have fun or a bunch of do's and don'ts. No, no, no. It is freedom to operate within the will of your heavenly father. Now, 
He goes on, and this is, this is one of the points that we'll be talking about over the next weeks, this idea of pruning. If we go back to the fruit of the Spirit and we look at these things, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, all these different things that are in there, some things, the reason the fruit isn't in our lives is because we need to be pruned. There need to be things that get, are removed from our lives. In other cases, there are things that need to be added. Maybe love is lacking in your life is because you don't know enough about how much your heavenly father adores you. And so you need to add some things from the word of God that speak some truth in your life. The love God has for you is not based on your past. It's not based on anything. It's based on the fact that you're created in the image of God and that you're so valuable that God sent his only son to die for you while you were still sinning and that he loves you and that you can be forgiven. That's great freedom. So you might want to add that truth to your life. But what Paul mentions in this next verse is this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. In other words, have killed it. In other words, waking up every morning understanding, man, this issue that I have in my life, this needs to be dealt with. And here's the word, harshly. Crucifixion is not a nice thing. It's not easy. It's not quietly buttoned up. There is a radicalness to being led by the Holy Spirit. A crucifixion, a messy thing. I know people, in order to crucify the flesh, they got rid of the internet in their house. You say, well, that's, that's crazy. Well, maybe it is. But that's not your flesh they were crucifying. It was theirs. For some of them, they just decided, I'm not dating at all for a year, two years. I'm just not. You say, wow, that's harsh. Is that in the Bible? No. And that's the joy of the fruit of the Spirit. Is that God's going to speak to you and your flesh different than he is for me. For you, you should maybe never have a drop of alcohol. You should never try some type of medication in order to get to sleep. You should never be involved in certain things. Other people, it's okay. It's not your, they're not your flesh. And so what Paul is saying is, in order to receive this fruit of the Spirit that everybody wants, that you were designed to have, it may take some really, really difficult conversations, changes in your life, perspectives that need to be altered. To crucify the flesh with all its passions and desires. You say, John, does that mean I can't have passion? Absolutely not. It's just within the context of where the Holy Spirit would lead you. Watch, it goes on. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I wish this verse wasn't in here. I don't like it. I would hope I wanted to skip it, but I couldn't. This, to me, is in the whole realm of the patience, the fruit of patience. So we have, like I said, we have three children. I'm not going to throw one under the bus, but I have one kid who, as a little kid, all my, three of my kids are incredibly independent, bizarrely independent. And so one of the things when you have a kid and it be, they begin it, when it, it begins to walk, you know, there it, there it goes. Okay. When they begin to walk, 
you kind of let them go and explore by themselves or whatever. And so one of the things we did with all our kids was we'd walk and watch them, and we'd just see how long they'd walk until they turned around. We're like, where's mom and dad, right? And so we have, we have like I said, we have three kids, and uh, I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but uh, he was walking down the street, <laughs> and uh, we're like, we'll see when he turns around. Yeah, I'm with Lisa. We're like, let's see when he turns around. He just kept going, going. He was halfway down the block, probably four years old, three years old, whatever. Like, bro, turn around. That's what this verse is. That's exactly what the, since we live by the Spirit, we need to turn around. Are we going someplace the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to go? Even if it seems spiritual? What? Maybe God doesn't want you to lead a Bible study, huh? That doesn't sound right. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe your life is too chaotic right now. Don't add one more thing. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is the one halfway down the street going, bro, hello, let's go. And you're like, oh, I don't know. It sounds very scary down the street. I just would like to stay in my own thing. This, sometimes the Spirit goes too fast and sometimes the Spirit goes too slow. For those of you who've been a Christian for a long time, you know what I'm saying? It's it, It's real. But since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step. And my step with the Spirit is different than your step. He might be calling you out of the house. He might be calling me back into the house, depending on what, how we're living our lives. So he goes on. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one, one another. So how, how do we do this? Well, let's, we're going to go through shift for just a few minutes, and then we'll wrap up. But the way we do this, so how do we walk by the Spirit? We look at the model of Jesus. We look at how Jesus organized his life, how Jesus organized how he dealt with conflict, how Jesus organized uh, what it looked like to serve rather than to be served, and we follow him as our example. To become a disciple of Jesus means to model our lives and to ask ourselves the question, what would my rabbi do in this situation? If, 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 I'm, if I have this issue at work, how would my rabbi handle that? Ooh, now we're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. We have a situation in our finances and maybe it's tax time and we're like, oh, the government doesn't need all that money. How would Jesus handle how I handle my taxes? How would Jesus handle reading the news in the morning or learning about what's going on in the world? How would he do that? Well, here's what he says. John chapter 15. He's talking to his disciples. He's doing a data dump, essentially, because he knows he's going to be uh, crucified. He says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, right, so that it will become even more fruitful. This is the vision God has for us, that we would live a life of fruit-bearing. He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. In other words, Jesus isn't talking about salvation right now. He's like, you made it. Congratulations. But now we step into this idea of kingdom living. Now it's time to begin to look and go, okay, what areas in my life need to be pruned? What areas in my life need to be fed? 
It says, uh, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You guys, this is so freeing right now. Because while there are things you can do, read your Bible, pray, serve others, all those things, you're not manufacturing fruit yourself. This isn't, I lead five Bible studies, so I have lots of fruit. You don't lead any Bible studies, or you're new to the Bible, you don't have any fruit. That's not the way it works. You come to Christ, you have access to the same spirit anyone's had. And so you, you, you walk in it. It says, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in Christ. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I know a lot of Christians. A lot. Too many Christians. I know way too many Christians. There are very few that bear much fruit because culture and the flesh and all these things are so strong and the Holy Spirit is in such conflict, they can't hang. And so there's one part of their life that just kind of goes off the rails. Now, that's not an indictment. Uh, what I mean by that is that it's outside of living spring. Here, we don't have that problem. Much fruit here. I'm talking about the other churches. Okay. I'm glad you got that as a joke. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So you can get this idea. And you've met them. I've met them. I've been this branch. I've been the branch that was so caught up in my circumstances, I was useless. The Lord's just like, look, you're, there's no use right now. You got to get this worked out. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is someone who you can see is in step with the Spirit because you know what to ask. You're not just asking arbitrarily for things to work out in your favor. You say, Lord, just like Jesus did. Remember, Jesus is the model, not my will, but your will be done. This is to my Father's glory. What is it? That you bear much fruit. As the worship band comes back up, we're going to take communion together. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I was really happy that we, we have communion the first week of every month, and I was really happy that it ended, uh, uh, that, that it was happening during this particular series and the beginning of this particular series, because this idea of crucifying the flesh is really what communion is all about. We identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and that's what God calls us to do. We crucify the flesh. When we do baptisms here at Living Spring, you've died with Christ. That's going underneath the water, representing death. And you're raised, not just to go to heaven, you're raised to walk in newness of life, to bear much fruit. And when we look at that list, that thing that the Holy Spirit said, hey, you know what we're going to work on over the next weeks? Pastor John, 
you're going to work on patience. And I'm like, terrible idea, right? But I have to die to my flesh and raise to walk. Not only does God want me to have patience, he wants me to have much patience. He doesn't just want you to be kind. He wants fruit falling off of your limbs, kindness just falling onto the ground. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for your love for us. Lord, as we begin thinking about this, these different fruit of the Spirit that's in our lives, Lord, I pray we would have the courage to make decisions that are opposed to our flesh. Not out of a thing of do's and don'ts and right and wrong and those things, but out of wanting to see the fruit in our life that you want to see the fruit in. So Lord, if it's areas of sin that we need to deal with, Lord, I pray we'd have the courage to deal with that. If it's areas of anxiety that we've been trying to manage on our own and work so hard to make sure things go the way we want them to go, Lord, I pray we would deal harshly with that. If it's relationships and a lack of forgiveness and we're in bondage to bitterness, I pray we would have the courage to handle that over the coming weeks. Whatever it takes, Lord Jesus, we want to bear fruit. We want to bear much fruit in your name. Amen. Well, I am uh, super excited about the series that we're going to be in. I want to warn you just a little bit. I'm going to push you <laughs> over the next weeks. I'm going to push you. So um, I just hope that uh, you're, you love me any, anyway. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing. And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would go in his joy, in his peace, in his love, and in his strength. And I pray for the courage of the Almighty to make the decisions you are going to need to make in the next weeks to bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.